Good morning. Man, you guys look so good. Man, it is good to see you, and not just you guys that are in the room, but our online crowd. I want to thank you all specifically. Uh, we got some folks in our church um, that deal with a lot of issues and from high risk to all kinds of other things. Um, and it's going to be a little bit before we can get everybody back. So I just thank you, online church, for hanging with us and joining us this Easter Sunday. So glad to have all of you with us as we continue as the video, this Losing My Religion. We're going to conclude that today on this Easter Sunday. In my hand, I have my resume, right? Now, do we still use that word, young people? We still call it a resume? No, we call it something else probably. But, but a resume, just so you know, it's, uh, it's, no, it's your version of why somebody should hire you, pick you, accept you into some position, something, 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 right? So what it is usually in work, it's where you've worked, it's what you've done, it's what you've accomplished, it's what you're about. So if I look at my work history on my resume, right, it started with the best job I ever had, mowing yards. Man, those were the days. And every once in a while, I'd be mowing a yard. I had about five yards in my neighborhood. And then me and my brother mowed our church yard, which was the big bucks, right? And every once in a while, not every time, but sometimes I'd be hot and sweaty in the summer and I'd be mowing and I'd see this little Honda Accord with tinted windows, two-seater come down the road. That was my girl. She was driving, she, they, they bought this car and it, it had a bumper sticker on the back that said Shady Lady. It was so not like who Kelly is or was, but that's what she drove at the time. And she would get out of the car and I was thrilled to see her, but what I really wanted to see is what was in her hand. And on the good days, it was a slushy from the gas station, a blue raspberry slushy just to cool me. Oh, that's, the, that's when I knew I got to marry this girl. Right, she's so good to me, and, and I would mow the yards, and if you guys have known, like mowing's the best job because you mow when you want to mow, right? If it's raining, I can't work today, and you get paid, like if you break it down per hour, it's more than you could make in a month, you know, at the mall or whatever, so I was mowing yards, that was my first job, it's on my resume. My customers were happy, just so you know. But eventually, I had to get a real job, like the one that you pay taxes on. Shh, I think you're supposed to pay taxes on the mowing too, I don't know, dad handled that. Um, so then I got a job at the mall, Haynes Mall, Winston-Salem representing Jay Riggins. Well, you know, remember that, right? Jay Riggins, me and Chauncey, we worked at the same job many states away, probably the same year. But Jay Riggins was a men's clothing store. It is an abomination that it did not make it. I don't know how because the clothes were fresh. They were fresh. They had shirts. They had casual. They had like high school stuff that kids would wear, but then they had suits and all that. So I worked at Jay Riggins. They didn't let me mess with the register. So I just like said hi to people and folded stuff and they paid me for it at Haynes Mall. Then I you know, went to college and, and one summer coming back, my wife and I, a girlfriend at the time, we decided to work together somewhere. Isn't that cute? So we waited tables or now we call it serving. We served again, Haynes Mall, OG. Olive Garden, right? Sometimes you work somewhere and you see the behind the scenes and you never want to eat there again, restaurant. That's not us, man. We are big, we are loyal to Olive Garden. We were on the inside. We even sang the song. It's like family and friends at the Olive Garden in the true Italiano way. Hey, eh? what's the next line? Hey, if you're looking for some fun, try Hospitaliano. Have a happy, happy day. They don't sing that anymore and it crushes my soul. So we waited tables, that's on my resume. Then the summer right before I got married, I worked for Cutco, anybody ever heard of that? Selling scissors and knives, I don't know, don't, I don't have much to say about that. 
But that's my resume until, and then since then, all of my occupations have been in ministry, either through a church or a funeral home. Up to today, I am blessed and humbled to be the lead pastor of Relentless Church, named after a relentless God who doesn't give up on anybody, and anybody means everybody, and everybody includes you. So what we've been doing, because some of you maybe haven't been with us, you've been with us online or whatever, this series, I need to catch you up real quick, Losing My Religion. We've been talking about not our work resume, but our spiritual resume. Like what is on your sheet, right, that makes you think you're good spiritually? And really, we don't say it this way, but the reality is, if I'm trying to get a job with my resume, I need my resume to be better than you. Right, because somebody, the boss man, somebody, the boss woman is looking through resumes and they're, they're comparing them. That's the key to resume. Your resume has got to pop. So you pay people money to make your resume look better than somebody else's. Right, so it'd be great if that wasn't true spiritually, but it is, especially in our culture. We try to spiritually just compare and hey, I'm not doing great here, but at least I'm not as bad as that person. And we just have this spiritual resume. Here's why I might be good enough, if there is a holy God that we sang about, here's why he might smile on me, here's what I've done, here's what I haven't done, like I may have done this, but on my resume, here's what you will not find, I never did fill in the blank, whatever would, you know, shock your parents the most, and we compile this religious resume of why God would accept us, so what we've been doing for the last month, and what we continue to do today, and hopefully every day, is to Shred our religious resume. I'm so glad that worked, right? It ruined everything. Right? So, you know, now it's kind of worthless, whatever it was. People are so frustrated with life right now, but they're so frustrated with church and even with God. And it's because they're, they're just trying to work on something that God never meant us to work on. So we're having fun, this series, shredding that together and not trying to rely on what we've done or where we've worked or what we think we might impress God. And here's, here's the bottom line of what we've learned and we'll get in today. Here's what we learned in this series, that we have to let go of religion in order to hold on to Jesus. We have to, you can't, it's not a... They don't work well together. They don't work well together at all. We have to let go of one to hold on to the other. So we, we've been looking at this guy named Paul. We've been looking at his words, and we talk about him a lot. One, because he's amazing. He, he's kind of the godfather of church plants. We're a church plant. He, that's what he did. But also because we're a church for the untold and unconvinced, right? Maybe you're in the room, and I'm sure you're online there's some folks that just have never really understood what we mean when we say gospel-centered, right? And there's some folks that have heard it their whole lives, but they've never been convinced it really means anything to them. So we talk about Paul a lot because he, he was a guy who was so confident, even arrogant, that Jesus' people were a problem and an offense to God, that God did not, you know, condone them, he, did, he wasn't with them, that, that Jesus was... A fraud was what Paul believed. And he believed it so much that he was willing to go find people that called themselves followers of Jesus and imprison them, and in some cases, worse, harm them in the name of God. This was the most anti-Jesus guy that you could find. And that's who God picked 
to write more books in the New Testament than anyone else. What happened to Paul is what happened to a lot of us at Relentless Church. A lot of us in this room, what happened to Paul was this Jesus who he didn't follow or believe was true, knocked on the door of his heart, changed everything. So we've been looking at what he says because he was a very religious figure and a very big deal and in religion. And he said this, this is where we saw last week, Philippians 3.8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And he's talking about religion and loss. Lord Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. And we talked about that. I'm not getting back into that last week in order that I may gain Christ. That's where we left off last week. He said, I'm going to count everything as loss to get to Jesus and knowing him that I may gain him. Next verse and be found in him. All right. We'll pick up there this week, right? To belong some, some translations to belong to Jesus, right? That's our prayer for you. Right, we, we stop so short because we try to get people to believe in Jesus. I don't care if you believe in Jesus. Believing in Jesus is so worthless in the end. It's so much better than believing in something. It's so much better to belong, right? That you may be found in him. Now, I'll give you believing in is a step towards belonging to, but we just don't want to stop at believing in. It's all about belonging to, and people get confused. Right, Chauncey referenced his Catholic background as a lot of our church has a Catholic background and there's a, there's a confusion sometimes to do it with I belong to the church or I belong to Jesus and how does that all work? Listen, when you, we, we're calling you to belong to Jesus. That is what it is about, belonging to Jesus. Now the reality is, as you get to know Jesus, he's gonna give you a heart for his church. Right, this, this idea of like, man, I love Jesus, but I can't stand his church. Well, Jesus called his church his bride. So try that with me after church. I love you, pastor. It's your wife that gets on my last nerve. We're gonna have issues, right? So we don't get to separate the, the Jesus and the bride. Now, his, his church has had issues and has issues today, right? And that's, that's, his church literally is us. It is the people of Jesus, the body of Christ. So we call people to belong to Jesus, and we think it's important for Jesus' people to belong to a local body of Christ. Now, that may not be Relentless Church. We're not for everybody. We know who we are. We're gospel-centered, forever-focused, and watch out, this is where we lose some people, in a multi-ethnic movement for God, of God. Right, so that's what we're about. So, so I want to let you know what's coming. Some of you have been waiting for this for literally a year and a half because we didn't do anything in the pandemic as far as get to know, whatever. We're doing a new event. It kind of is the evolution of what we used to call partnership experience, but it's different. And it's called Welcome to Relentless, right? This is an experience on a Monday night. It's two weeks from tomorrow. And it just lets you know what we're about, where we're going, who we are as a church, and where you fit into that if you want to. It's not, a, it's not something, it's not a pressure. It's a fun evening, right? We, it's it's going to be awesome on this Monday night, two weeks from tomorrow. And if you've been to something before, if you're a partner, like you're invited, but we're aiming this towards folks that have never been to anything except for Sunday morning online or in the room. If you just want to know more, then April 19th is for you. Now, I would not put this in the Easter message if it wasn't a big deal, right? So it would encourage our staff, let me be real, it would encourage me, right? If you want to get your phone out now, if you want to do whatever you're doing on your couch, if you would sign up. We want to know you're coming because we're going to bless you, right? So we want to know who's coming. You can get to that on our What's Happening page on our website, relentlesschurch.cc. If you want to know, we don't have members here. 
There are, if somebody says, hey, I'm a member at Relentless, they're lying to you. We have zero members. We do have partners, and that's a small piece of this welcome to Relentless. So if you've been with us for a while, maybe you've been with us you know, just since the pandemic, you want to know, like, what would I do if I wanted to know more? Like, this is all for you. Welcome to Relentless two weeks from tomorrow. Sign up and be excited about it. Now, here's, here's back to scripture. And be found in him, Jesus, comma. Here's a huge verse for us today, Easter Sunday. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That's what Paul said that I've been found in him and I don't have a righteousness that's from me. My performance in my religion doesn't make me righteous. My righteousness doesn't come from how good or not good I've done. These are, this leads us to two enormous questions in the room online, young people, not so young people. I'm asking you to be real with yourself and answer these questions in your own head and heart this morning. Number one, are you righteous? Are you? I don't need an answer out loud. Would you consider yourself righteous? Right? Not all the slang and the way that that's been used through the day. Like righteous as in holy. And the second question that goes with it is, what is the source of your righteousness? If you would say, yeah, I'm righteous. Like what is the source of that for you? Enormous Questions that will matter. Even people that think those are not really important questions to me. They will be. I promise you, they will be. Because here's what we do. We make righteous mean whatever we want it to mean. We, when we, we're banging hard on religion this series. You're like, wait a second, aren't you religion? Listen, there, there's different ways you can define it. We're defining it as scripture does as self-made, human, man-made origin stuff. Right, so that's what, that's what humans do. What we do is we make the rules and we decide religion by religion, here's what makes somebody righteous. And then we expect people to live up to that. And then we put God's name on it and so a lot of people don't know any better and if there's no source of truth and we don't know what scripture says and we just take whatever that religion says and we got all these different versions of what makes people righteous. It may look like this. Let's say we're all off in another time in another place in another century and I'm your cult leader, right? And I decide, all right, here's what's gonna make us righteous. And you think I'm speaking for God, so you're like, okay, well, all right, tell us, what is it? All right, to be righteous up in here, you gotta be white, you gotta be male, you gotta cheer for the right team, we won't get into that, and you gotta be six feet tall because... That's what righteous looks like. And some of you are going to be smart enough to be like, wait a second. That's you. You just pick stuff that's you and then put God's name on it. And I'm going to say, no, 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 no. That's what God said. You say, well, how, did he, how do I know he said that? And I'm going to say, trust me. God says righteousness looks like this. And we make God in our own image. We're made in his image. He's not made in ours. And here's another little fun fact about religion. The reality is we make standards of righteousness that we can live up to just being who we are. But then when you pull back the curtain, that's not even true. Because here's, here's, I hate to tell you this. I hate to tell you this. I'm not even six feet. I'm six feet with shoes on. So I tell people I'm six feet. 
right? And it's kind of true, but if you want to get legalistic down to the nitty gritty, if you take my shoes off and measure me, I'm going to come up a little bit short. Religion makes rules and they're man-made and even man can't even live up to his man-made rules. And then we put God's name on it and we just not only confuse people, we hurt people. Are you righteous? And what's the source of your righteousness? If the way you become righteous came from a man or woman's mind, then that's religion. It's not Jesus. Our source of righteousness is not us. Easter Sunday, y'all, let's make sure we understand again the beauty and power of the gospel because in our culture, cultures are different. In 2021, you can go find very different things. In the culture that we live in, as we call, it is normal for people on a day like this, like Jesus rose from the dead, and that's great. And I hope one day when I meet this God, I hope that I've done enough good. I hope that when he balances my stupid stuff and my good stuff, I'm hoping the good stuff. How many people do you know that they're real honest? These are good people, not bad. How many people do you know that their honest heart is, man, when this life is over, I hope this loving, relentless God you talk about, I hope he smiles on me. I hope he's merciful. I hope he's good and loving like you say. I hope things work out for me. How worthless is it to go before a holy God with, I tried my best. How worthless is that? People think that's the message of Jesus. It's the opposite. There's nothing more offensive to Jesus than showing up in front of a holy God with your version of goodness. We can't be righteous. That's the point. We had to have somebody be righteous for us. So he says, I'm not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, comma, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul, just remember last week, if you're with us, he gave this whole case of why he was righteous. He's more righteous than you, according to man's stuff. But he flushes all that. He says, I don't have a righteousness on my own. I have a righteousness that comes from one thing, faith in Christ. And like we've taught you, when you see faith, don't think belief. Think trust. Think surrender. Right? That's where the magic happens, right? People are so confused. People are so frustrated today because like, I believe I've been believing for 10 years or 30 years or 60 years. I believe and underneath they're so frustrated because I don't really feel much power. I don't really feel that much different. I don't really have this relationship you keep talking about. There's no magic in believing. The magic is in putting your faith. What does that mean? If it doesn't mean belief, it means trusting. It means following. It means surrendering everything to this amazing Jesus, who is the source. Don't you love this time of year, right? Basketball, it's not as cold. It was cold Friday. We're done with that, I, all right? No more cold. The trees are starting to show the leaves. The grass is starting to turn green. Pollen, right? Isn't it great? No, not pollen. But the newness of spring. Some of you lived in climates, right, where you don't get four seasons, and that's, some of you live in climates where it's winter for like eight months, 
right? We love like the change and everything coming back to life. Right, as a, as a church centered on the gospel. And today, man, in our early days as a church, we're six years old, six and a half. Easter was like, oh, we got to do this crazy, you know, we got to bring it. <laughs> right, and then we just learned. It's, it's, we're all about putting the gospel on display. That's who we are. And the power is in the gospel. And the gospel says that, that God knew we would never be righteous on our best day. So we sent righteousness for us. And there's hope and promise of newness in your life that you can be reborn, that you can have totally fresh, clean slate start, renewed, redeemed, rescued, adopted only through Jesus. That's what he offers. That's what we celebrate. That's what the cross won us. That's what the resurrection won us. And Jesus spoke very boldly about your life, you know that? About your life, my life. He said it this way in Matthew, whoever would save his life is gonna lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What can a man give in exchange or return for his soul or her soul? Jesus is talking about our lives and don't get deceived and don't get twisted and don't don't not understand the most important truth that you'll ever hear. And that is Jesus saying, if you will lose your life, meaning surrender and faith and trust in me, by losing your life, you will actually save it and become what you were created to become all along. But if you wanna save your own life and make this life about you, then in the end, you will lose your soul. Wow, I believe that Jesus went to a cross so we wouldn't have to take somebody's word for it that he loves us. The demonstration, I can tell you I love you all day, right? Words are cheap. But that God in his holiness would send a holy, perfect Jesus, a sinless life that he lived that we cannot live, that he willingly laid it down and we could talk, which we've done other Easter's and there's place for that. All the stuff that he went through and the physical brutality of what the cross was, it wasn't pretty by any stretch. We believe that he did that because that's how deep his love is for you. And then he backed it up a few days later by saying, just so you know who I am, I'm gonna do the one thing that in 2021, humans will have no answer for. I'm gonna walk out of the grave and defeat death, not just for me, but for all that come after me. So, man, in this moment, in this room and online, right right now, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, right? We're not gonna do anything to you, so don't, don't freak out. We're just gonna... Try to create a moment here and we're not gonna sing and we're not gonna have people come up front. We're we're just gonna, we're gonna see if anybody desires to put their faith in Jesus instead of a righteousness of their own. Can you imagine going before a holy God and trying to make a case why you're righteous? It's not gonna go well. Is there anybody in the room, is there anybody online watching live or watching later on 
whose heart and desire is, man, I have lived out of my own righteousness. I've been trying to build a religious spiritual resume and it's not going well. Is there anyone who would say today, April 4th, 2021, Easter Sunday, today I wanna put my faith and trust in Jesus? If that's you in this room, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand right now where you are. I can see you, other people can't. If you're online, raise your hand, God sees it. Beautiful, go ahead, I'm gonna give you a few seconds. We're not gonna do this all day. This is nothing more important than your life, y'all. Faith in Christ, raise your hand. Okay, you can open your eyes. Thank y'all for going there with us. Now, some of you are like, wait a second. I just, like, I ain't even been in this room ever before today. You're trying to get me to ready to listen. If you got questions, we know this is a process. Everybody's on their own journey in this room. Online, did you raise your hand? Online, did you raise your hand? Right, you don't have to worry about anybody looking at you. I don't know if you did. I know that there were hands in this room. If you raised your hand at home or in this room, here's what I'm not just asking. I'm gonna beg, right? Because there's nothing more important. We as a church have the great privilege of following up with you. When you make a decision like that, if you did that for the first time, if today is your day, you gotta, you gotta email us. That's how we're gonna do this. I'd love to talk to you, but you know, we don't do a whole lot of talking these days. But yes, if you said yes, that's all we wanna know. If you wanna say yes, if you didn't even raise your hand, but you got questions, just email yes at relentlesschurch.cc. Right, you can remember that, right? You can do it right now. It won't bother me at all if you do it right now. But if not now, do it today. That's what we've been praying for. And God moved. You don't raise your hand. That's not normal. God helped you do that. So let us help walk with you going forward. Um, we go ahead and celebrate. You guys, there's like four people that raised their hand. Can we clap about that? That's a big deal. But let's, let's, let's pick up right there. All right, so some of you are considering putting your faith in Christ. Some of you just did. Some of you have months ago, years ago, decades ago. Let's finish what Paul said. He said, a faith that's not on my own, right? That I may know him, Jesus, and the power of his resurrection. Right, there's this lie that if you make a decision like some people just made and are baptized into Jesus, that that's like you're done and you go back to your life. no. Right, that's the whole point. Jesus went for you so you could be clean, so you could come to him, so that now you can know him. Like your whole life is about knowing him. It never gets old, getting knowing and being known by Jesus. I wanna know him. That's the life, that's the newness, that's the never gets old. And not just know him, but the power of his resurrection. We like to say it like this, that who I am is completely wrapped up in whose I am. That's who, who you were created to be. That's where peace comes from, that I may know him and not just know him. But how about knowing the power? Do you know it? Some of you have been living with Jesus for decades. Do you know the power of his resurrection? It's not just something that happened. It's something that is alive, right? Scripture says that power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, if you're a Christian in the room, the power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. What? That's not some little weed. The power that raised a dead man, fully dead, out of the grave, is now available and alive in you. You take that with you to work or to the closet, wherever your workspace is these days, right? 
You take that with you into relationships, into Easter family stuff, into dorm rooms and everything, the power. I don't know where you were in 10 years ago, 2011, with Jesus. Some of you were in elementary school, right? And that's okay. But think about where you were with Jesus. I don't know your stories. A lot of you I know. Where you are with Jesus today does not resemble in any way, shape, or form where you are. Where you were in 2011 does not resemble where you are today. That's a beautiful thing. But, but some would maybe say, you know what? I've matured and, and whatever, but I'm really not that different with Jesus than I was 10 years ago. I bet the reason why is this verse. There's so much we can spend our time and effort on outside of getting to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. He continues, and I wanna, Paul says, I'm, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, right? This is like, it's not all sunshine. And if you hear a pastor talking about how perfect life is when you follow, like it's, there's, Jesus said, told the disciples, they're gonna hate you because they hate me. You follow me, they hate me already. If you follow me, you're gonna get in on the hate. Now, that's crazy, right? But think about the context because we could just throw that out there and say, hey, this culture and this, this awful world, they're gonna all, hate. like, no. Why did they hate him? The context is religion. What he was saying is religion, I'm coming against that. It's not either or and you become religious and then you find Jesus. It's I have to drop religion to get to Jesus. And if you drop religion to get to Jesus, religion is not gonna be happy with you. So you're gonna suffer in some ways and that's gonna be part of what we do, right? Because this is why it's offensive. Make sure you understand. Religion is always, we can call it different names, we can put different labels through the years. Religion is always, this is how you get to God. This is what you need to do. This is how you perform. This is what you need to, these are the labels. These are the things. These are the, this is how you get to God. And Jesus said, you can't get to God. That's why I'm here, because God sent me to get to you, because we know you'll never get to me. That I have to come and live a sinless life, but my purpose is to go to a cross to die in your place. That's not religion. Because if you could do it, Jesus wouldn't have come. But he did. And he died. And he rose. And now we get to share in all of it, becoming like him, it says, in his death. What's that talking about? We're like hoping to get crucified on a cross? No. Paul's not hoping to get crucified on a cross. He knows it. It may be bad for him, but he's not asking to be crucified. What he's talking about, like him in his death, is victorious. I want to be like Jesus in his death. Jesus knew. The disciples didn't know. They all scattered. They were like, man, we thought he was the one. He obviously isn't because nobody goes out like that who's the son of God. But then he rose from the dead. And now Paul is saying, I want to be like Jesus in his death. Jesus wasn't scared. Jesus was in control. Jesus was forgiving people. Jesus owned death. I want to be like Jesus in my death. I want to be victorious. I'm not trying to die, but when I do, I want the confidence that Jesus had. Because he rose, I rise. That changes everything. The death that wouldn't kill and couldn't kill Jesus can't kill me either. Mm. And here's how he finished it. He said that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. 
That's how he ends. He started with talking about religion and earning it, and I got more reason. He said, no confidence in the flesh. I drop all that. It's all garbage compared to knowing Jesus. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Why? So that I might attain something. Right, some of you are my age and you got kids that are thinking about going out into this world. Some of you got little ones that are gonna go out into this world one day and we dream and pray about what are they gonna become? What do we want for my kids? I want them to be a good citizen. I want them to grow up in a good country. I want them to get good jobs. I want them to have health. I want them to have happiness, right? I want them to have a family. I want them to have all these things, a college education and the list goes on and none of those things are bad. But you know, I want something for my kids. I want something for each of you and each of you online and for myself and for my wife. I want something more than anything on that list. What I want for my kids and for our church and for my, what I want more than anything is that we would raise from the dead. That's better, right? Like all of the college, like, oh, that's, I'm not mad at it. But I want my kids, what does anything matter if they don't attain the resurrection of the dead? And we say that and it's Easter and it can get so like Jesus raised from the dead. Like think about that. I want to, Paul said, I'm all this by any means possible. I'll do anything so that I could attain resurrection. We're going to raise from the dead. (laughs) Prove it, pastor. Listen, that's coming. That's coming, right, in a couple ways. Because some of your heart is like, hey, okay, okay, but how do I know? How do I know? Well, crazy thing. That's the title of our next series. How do I know? And we're going to spend three weeks talking about how do I know? If you're not there, you're like, man, I want to believe that, but I'm not taking your word for it. Good. I don't want you to take my word for it. We're going to talk about how do I actually know? Not just faith. Faith is a big part, but how do I know this is real? So that's coming. But for you guys that do, Man, let's, let's sit in that today. The day that so many people are so scared of. That's the best day of your existence. How do you know? Because Jesus did it for us. Everything in history changed when he rose from the dead. Everything goes back to that. 2,000 years later. And I want so many good things for you and for our church, but more than anything, I'm with Paul that we might attain. And you're like, well, wait a second. If it's attaining, it sounds like we got to do something. Yeah, he only said that because of what he had just said because he told us already, here's how you attain resurrection of the dead, not by righteousness of your own, but only through faith, dependence and trust and surrender to Jesus. Here's what he said next. Not that I've already obtained this, verse 12, or I'm already perfect, right? Even Paul's in process, but I'm pressing on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. It's personal. So he says, I don't consider, verse 13, that I've made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what's ahead. If you've been around church, you've heard that verse. Forget about what's behind, strain to what's ahead. But the context, which matters, what's he talking about? He's talking about religion, He's talking about, I spent my life building a religious resume. Forget that. Forget what you tried to do. Forget what grandma told you. Forget man-made religion. Forget it. Now I'm pressing on. I'm not going to live in that. I'm not going to dwell in that. Now I'm going to go forward 
straining forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead? Next verse, last verse. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Man, the prize. Some of you are gonna get some prizes later. Right? I don't believe, I believe there's kids that are too old for trick-or-treating. Like, just stop. But Easter, that's different. All right? Easter, like, I think that should, all of us should get a little something on Easter. Paul said, man, I'm gonna just keep going and chasing Jesus and dropping religion because I have a goal and it's the upward call that God calls us heavenward. Listen, he took the darkest God did the darkest, most hopeless day, the darkest, most hopeless weekend in all of history when men killed the son of God and he turned it into the most beautiful celebrated thing ever. It's being celebrated all over our globe today, all kinds of languages and cultures. The worst, most dark, hopeless thing that ever happened on the planet, the death and crucifixion of Jesus turned into the most Amazing, not holiday, the most amazing event ever. What does that mean for you? It means that he wants to take what culture says is the worst thing that can happen to you, death. And he wants to make that the most amazing, transformative, beautiful event in your existence. The beginning of the rest of your eternal life. And one more thing I'll say, because that sounds like, yeah, you know, if you could show me a resurrected person, I'd be all in. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not just saying this happened 2,000 years ago, trust me, and now live your life for it. It's better than that. It is that, but it's also the power of the resurrection in our lives today. So what we have in the room is evidence. What we have in the room is a resurrected Jesus coming to dwell in us. And now we're living, not perfect, like, but we're straining towards Jesus and the upward call. And he is changing us and we are not who we once were. There's Jesus talking and living and spending and loving through us. There are people on almost every row in this room that are not anything like who they used to be. Not because of their own righteousness. They would tell you that's why they're amening, because of their faith in Jesus. You don't have to believe history only. Add to history life experience and evidence right here at Relentless Church and so many other places and churches around the globe. He took, for some of us in this room, he took the darkest, most hopeless time in our lives, in our lives, when we were lost, when we were hurting, when we got ourselves in a mess or somebody else, he took the worst part of our lives and he turned it into something beautiful. He's the only one who can do that. He's really good at it. And he wants to do it with your life. Would you stand and pray? Father, I praise you for working and showing your power, for calling people to yourself. God, that, that you could take that Friday and that cross and the most horrific moment, I can't even imagine being there and trusting and thinking Jesus was everything and then watching him die like that or even 
hearing about his death because I would be running scared. And just the hopelessness to be then completely flip the script, to have a plan all along and to defeat death and to turn that grave into something beautiful and and not just then, but to continue to do that life after life, century after century. God, we thank you for having that power and we thank you that the power of the resurrection is available and present here this morning. God, I pray that this song would remind us and propel us not just into Easter Sunday, but into our week and the rest of our year and the rest of our lives. God, you're the only one who can take our lives and make something beautiful. We thank you and we worship you for being who you are. We pray and sing in Jesus' name, amen.